Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Last spring, Israel came under attack by a series of terror acts in population centers. The perpetrators usually came from Palestinian towns and villages in the northern part of the West Bank, or Samaria, formerly under the Palestinian Authority, but in fact only lightly supervised by its security forces. The Israeli response was the ongoing Operation Wastebreaker, in which raids into hotbeds of terror planning and preparation brought about clashes and casualties. The political opposition to last year's government is now in power in Jerusalem and is facing demands to make good on its pledge to run a more effective campaign to defeat and deter plots against helpless civilians. How successful is this campaign and what would be the implications in Jerusalem, the West Bank, Gaza and in Israel in general if the result is an escalation rather than calm? To analyze it, we're joined from Central Israel by Brigadier General in Reserve Yossi Kuperwasser, who is the former Research and Assessment Head of the IDF's Intelligence Directorate and currently the Project Director on Middle East Developments at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. Thank you for joining us, General. Thank you for having me. And with us here in the studio is our TV7 editor-at-large, Mr. Amir Oren, who is also the host of Watchmen Talk, Powers in Play, and so much more. And Amir, I'd like to immediately dive into this topic. We've discussed in the past Operation Wastebreaker. It's been ongoing for months uh, on end and uh, very skillful operations, uh, counterterrorism activity, night in, day in. To what degree is this truly effective at this stage when we see uh, repeated acts of terror also just recently? So you never know uh, what could have happened uh, had these operations not been conducted. You uh, can never know uh, the um, uh, value or the uh, number of casualties prevented um, by uh, these counter-terror operations. Um, But what has happened over the last several weeks um, is unique um, because of two reasons. One, this is a new government, and as you mentioned, when they were out of power, they were very critical of the incumbent government uh, of the time and uh, its response uh, to terror, even though on the professional level, the professional echelon has not changed. Yes, there is a new chief of staff for the IDF, but this has not changed the doctrine and tactics uh, which have uh, developed between the Israeli Defense Forces and Shabak, the Internal Security Agency, to a great success. So now they have to respond. Prime Minister Netanyahu, the minister in charge of police, or now it's called National Security, Itamar Ben-Gvir, and others. The other point is that when you have, let's say, half a dozen incidents um, in which a single fatality is caused, it doesn't make a lot of waves to lose, to use the waves breaker idiom. But when you have one massacre in which seven Israelis are murdered, then people pay attention. So there is this um, renewed or heightened focus 
on what has uh, happened, even though when you tally the entire uh, balance uh, of the last 10 months or 11 months, because this started last March, um, the results are quite effective on the Israeli side. General Kupelwasser, you have vast experience in this area. You've dealt with years uh, of uh, very similar incidents and even more horrific incidents. Uh, to what degree do you look at the current operation? And uh, in comparison with previous operations, uh, um, provided a certain, uh, I don't want to say grade because uh, grade would... Uh, uh, diminished uh, the level of, of uh, operational activity that they've been engaged in. But to what degree are they truly successful in averting uh, terrorism from striking in the heart of Israel? Well, first of all, they've been successful in preventing terrorism from striking uh, in the depths of Israel from the areas where they are conducted. And uh, wave breaker is uh, uh, perpetrated in the areas controlled by the Palestinian Authority. And from these areas, we uh, see less terror uh, compared with what could have happened, as uh, Amir said. It's not completely true that we cannot know how much uh, terrorism we uh, managed to foil, because uh, we do know how many terror uh, attempts were planned and uh, were foiled. We, and this is in the hundreds, numbers in the hundreds. We prevented many, many terror attacks, mainly coming from the areas where we focused on, which is the, on the one hand, uh, Janine and the other Nablus and uh, less so but also to, less, to a lesser extent in the other parts of the Palestinian uh, authority controlled territories. We uh, are less successful in uh, our activities in, uh, in other areas uh, in this case uh, both in uh, with Israeli Arabs and with uh, the, the uh, uh, Palestinians living in uh, East Jerusalem. And uh, the last terror attacks uh, came from uh, from this area, just like uh, several of the previous terror attacks that were unfortunately uh, lethal. Uh, they came from this area, much less from the uh, areas where the operation focuses on. So in, in, this, in this respect, the, this operation was uh, successful. And I think uh, everybody agrees about that. It's not, uh, there was no disagreement on that issue between the opposition and the coalition uh, in the days of the previous government, and I don't think there is any difference between the positions of uh, anybody today about the need to continue with the wave breaker and uh, to uh, get the same results that we get in these areas. What needs to be done is to improve the, the way we operate in the other areas, and now we have to realize this is not easy. Uh, many of the perpetrators who manage to carry out the attacks are, uh, cannot be spotted in advance, or it's very difficult to spot them in advance, because they do not operate as part of a squad or a big organization. They wake up in the morning, take a pistol, and uh, go and uh, kill some Israelis. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to, to know in advance that something like that is going to happen and to, to take the necessary measures to prevent it. When we do know about something like that, of course, nobody hesitates and uh, takes the necessary steps in order to prevent it. And uh, we do prevent many. On top of that, I, I would say that there is another issue that we have to keep in mind. Uh, there are two reasons why this is happening in, in, in the way it is happening. Uh, one is the ongoing incitement. That's something that goes from one generation to another. The Palestinian Authority is deeply involved in, in this incitement. 
and uh, the, you know they keep paying salaries to terrorists, very vast salaries to, to the terrorists that uh, get arrested, and stipends to the families of the terrorists that uh, lose their lives. And this guy, uh, the 13 years old guy, uh, boy that uh, killed, uh, sorry, that uh, shot at uh, the father and son in, in uh, Jerusalem on Saturday, uh, is going to get uh, stipends for uh, salaries, very beautiful salaries for, for the rest of his life. He's going to become a millionaire. Uh, so it's uh, this is one thing that uh, has to be done and uh, that has to be taken into account that the ongoing incitement that uh, uh, inculcate in the minds of uh, the young Palestinians the understanding that what is they are expected to do is to take part in the struggle against Zionism and to uh, to the extent that they can to carry out terror attacks in, in, in this context that's one thing and the other thing that's happening is that uh, the, the ongoing situation in the in the areas uh, populated by the Palestinians is very frustrating because they realize that the international community and the Arab world lost interest in, in their problem because they understand that there's no way to move forward towards peace because of the Palestinian narrative, because of this incitement, because of the messages the Palestinians deliver to their uh, children. And uh, this causes a lot of frustration in the Palestinian side and more uh, tendency to, to use violence in this context. And uh, that's why we have to be... Uh, uh, and, and on top of that, the, the, there is a process of decentralization of the use of power in the Palestinian uh, territories, where it's not only that the, the Palestinian Authority itself is weak and getting weaker by the day, but also the rest of the organizations prefer not to be involved directly with carrying out their attacks to the extent that they used to be involved in uh, in the past, but to uh, defer this uh, responsibility to uh, other smaller organizations and uh, to private uh, citizens that uh, are now uh, expected to carry out the, the terror attacks. This makes the, the, the ability of the security forces to deal with the matter much more demanding and uh, difficult. And uh, with all that in mind, uh, what happens is that uh, when the, the somebody says we have to do something now because there were nine uh, terrorists killed in, uh, in Jenin, uh, there will be or there will always be one or two or three or four people that will uh, say, well, this is the time for me to, to, to pay my uh, tribute to the, to the struggle and kill some uh, Israelis and uh, they will go to the streets and sometimes they fail and sometimes they have some uh, problem with the weapon as was the case uh, in uh, near Jericho uh, in Almog Junction and sometimes they don't have uh, any problem with the weapon and they shoot uh, only a couple of uh, shots but each one of them is uh, killing uh, an Israeli this is this is sheer uh, luck question of, uh, of luck. And uh, sometimes we are lucky, sometimes we are not. Indeed. Uh, one difficulty um, uh, should be explained. Um, up until the 1967 war, between 1949, where there was uh, an armistice agreement between Israel and the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan, and uh, June of 1967, the city of Jerusalem was divided. The western part, where we are now broadcasting for from uh, has been under Israeli uh, jurisdiction and the eastern part, including the old city of Jerusalem under Jordanian rule. When Israel won uh, the entire area, which uh, includes the uh, West Bank adjacent to Jerusalem, it annexed 
um, an area roughly equivalent to the district of Jerusalem under Jordanian rule. Not only the city of Jerusalem, but the entire metropolitan area. And what happened um, a few years ago when Israel built a fence between itself and the West Bank and a wall uh, within Jerusalem was that many, many Palestinians, perhaps the entire um, district holds uh, close to a million people. Some of them are in Jerusalem. They have Israeli permits. They have Israeli IDs. Their cars are no different from Israeli cars. So if the perpetrators choose to go somewhere else in Israel, and especially if they don't have weapons, if uh, the police stops them and um, uh, tries to find weapons there, and all they have in mind is a ramming incident, they will be set free. They have decided to commit their atrocities within Jerusalem proper in order to make an ideological or nationalistic point. But they could just as well go to uh, Tel Aviv or any other place. Indeed, uh, they define themselves as Palestinian residents of Jerusalem. Uh, they don't want to be associated with Israel other than the benefits that Israel can provide them. Uh, and therefore, I'd like to ask you, General Kupelvasa, when we look at uh, this complexity that uh, Mr. Owen just referred to, to what degree does Israel have an answer to that, considering that uh, they can well blend in and, and have uh, the opportunity to make those uh, atrocious acts and not to uh, take into, uh, or we should take into consideration the fact that many of those living in East Jerusalem, they don't want to partake in uh, those atrocious acts and actually enjoy living within the, the boundaries of what Israel can provide them. Yeah, well, it's definitely trying to find a needle in a haystack. It's, it's not easy to, to find them. The two people carrying out terror attacks out of 350,000 people living in East Jerusalem, it's, it's very difficult. What we need is much better intelligence, much better control of the social media, because much of the agitation and much of the uh, early signs of something uh, uh, going to happen are in the social media, which you see almost in all cases, you have the, these people saying in advance that uh, they want the, the time has come to join uh, Allah and uh, to do something uh, for the sake of uh, the Islam and for the sake of uh, the Palestinian people and so on and so forth. So we have to be able to, to locate that uh, early on and uh, do something about it. We made some progress in that, but we are not yet where we should be. And, uh, and uh, at the same time, we have to deal with the uh, basic uh, reasons of uh, this phenomena. First of all, to deter the Palestinian Authority from its uh, ongoing incitement. And I think this government, unlike its pre the previous one, is going to be more uh, clear in this, uh, in this message because the previous government, uh, you know, we have a law that deducts from the money we give to the, we collect for the Palestinians. The amount of money they uh, pay for as salaries to terrorists, you know, they, they, they pay close to a, one billion shekels, like uh, 300 million dollars a, a year, as salaries to terrorists, uh, all kinds of compensations to terrorists. That's that's incredible. So we deduct from the money we collect for them uh, about 600 million shekels a year because this is the money we can prove that they have actually paid for uh, salaries to terrorists the previous year. And we deduct that. But what happened was the previous government that while they were deducting the 600 million shekels every year, at the same time, they gave loans of uh, similar amounts or sometimes even bigger to the Palestinian Authority. 
which gave the Palestinian Authority no incentive to stop paying salaries to terrorists. Now, for the first time, we are going to take some steps that uh, the Palestinian Authority is going to feel in its pocket. And I hope this is going to uh, deliver a clearer message that uh, they should uh, change the attitude. I sincerely hope that Israel is going to make a, an international effort to convince more uh, countries to stop uh, supporting the Palestinian Authority as long as it has this law according to which they pay salaries to terrorists. This is totally unacceptable and totally mind-boggling, I would say, that uh, uh, an organization that is respected by the world as the representative of the Palestinians actually pays salaries to terrorists in order to kill Israelis. That's, uh, so I think this government is going to take harsher measures in this respect. And also in the issue of deterring the, the, the would-be uh, terrorists from carrying out their attacks. We take some uh, more uh, uh, impressive measures uh, when it comes to uh, dealing with the families of terrorists and uh, with their ability to uh, get away with the fact that one of their family members carried out an attack with their consent. And if uh, this is going to be the case, I think that uh, the terrorists will have to take this element into consideration. If there mm -hmm. is going to be a possibility to expel these people from uh, from Jerusalem and send them to Gaza, uh, for example, this is going to be uh, something that every terrorist will have to bear in mind before it carries out, before he plans to carry out an attack. Indeed. Well, uh, Mr. Owen, I'd like to ask you, what is the root cause? of terrorism today? Because uh, on the one hand, we see, of course, uh, Islamists-motivated attacks. We see uh, the, the incitement by the Islamist Hamas organization, which is an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, an organization that is financed by Qatar, by other countries uh, throughout the region, who are backing the, these organizations. Then we have the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which is an Iranian proxy in all intents and purposes, trained, financed, and uh, receives its directors, uh, directives from Damascus, of course, is the interlude uh, where Ziad al-Nahala finds himself, uh, but ultimately from the Islamic Republic of Iran. Then we have other uh, affiliated organizations of the Islamic State and so on and so forth. Make a little bit of a organization to all this mess. So I am not sure that uh, Yossi um, uh, will agree with me or that you and Yossi both will agree with me. Uh, let me present um, a different uh, school of thought or an additional one, not necessarily contradicting um, yours. There is a cycle of cause and effect, and um, it is not perfect, uh, uh, even on paper, uh, because uh, this being the Middle East, we are not sitting at uh, the uh, uh, Harvard Business School or uh, John F. Kennedy School of Government uh, cleanly dissecting uh, the problem. Uh, some people would tell you that um, resistance to occupation is the root cause and that they know that Israel will not withdraw from the territories or from Jerusalem especially under duress, but they want to register their determination to keep resisting until such time that something um, happens. The other uh, point, uh, as uh, General Kupewasser mentioned, uh, regarding the decentralization of authority and therefore of um, operation, is that um, 
uh, for instance, Secretary Blinken has just been in the area. He called on all parties to return to calm. In Israel, you know what the party is. It's the government of Israel and its forces. But who is the other party? Um, if each Palestinian uh, acts independently of any central authority, it's pointless to call on the other party to behave um, in, in any uh, particular way. And um, one may uh, uh, presume that if there will be again, once again, we haven't seen it for many years, a political horizon, perhaps there will be less terror. But even that is not certain, because the enemies of peace, Hamas and, and the others, uh, which you uh, just ticked off, will probably carry out even more uh, terror acts in order to derail peace. So um, I don't want uh, to leave our viewers um, depressed and dejected that there is no way out, but uh, it doesn't seem good uh, anyway. The narrative or the, the so-called uh, resistance cause that you're referring to, uh, what, at least from my observation, and uh, I will uh, leave it at that, ultimately it became such a generator of finances for so many organizations, so many NGOs around the world make millions upon millions of dollars in order to maintain this narrative that uh, it is a good question. Does this actually fuel an interest of turning to peace? Uh, General Kupelwasser, we don't have very much time left, so I'd like to hear your assessment on this, but also beyond that, to what degree is Operation Wastebreaker, since this is the, the focus of our topic today, um, able of bringing a different reality without a true political horizon, as Mr. Owen highlighted? I don't think anybody expects a new political horizon at, at, at this point. But uh, the, the operation is critical. Without it, there's not going to be an end to this uh, phenomenon. But it's not sufficient. It's a necessary, but not sufficient condition. And the sufficient condition is to uh, add on that a clear message to the Palestinians that if this is not going to come to an end, and uh, with, in spite of the centralization, I think there is some uh, sort of uh, control of the Palestinian Authority, that if they don't uh, put an end to that, the uh, operation is not going to be confined only to military activities against uh, terrorists, but also we shall have to take some steps that will uh, have an impact on the rest of the population. Because what brought the end of the Second Intifada, for example, was the fact that the population understood that they are paying a price. And uh, I think that uh, it needs to be clear to the Palestinian Authority that it is going to be a, uh, paying a price for the ongoing uh, terrorism. And only then they will uh, make a bigger effort to stop it. And they can, even with the weak uh, conditions of today, they can still make a difference in, in this respect. They don't feel the, the need to do that uh, at this point, but I think this can happen in, uh, in the future. The other thing that we can do that can have an impact is if we clarify to the Palestinians, not only that uh, in this way of sticking to the narrative, they're not going to have anything accomplished, but they're they are paying a political price as well. And I think in this respect, what is most important is to get uh, the Abraham Accord expanded. And uh, if we find uh, new partners to the Abraham Accord, hopefully Saudi Arabia, but maybe others, this will uh, send a clear message to the Palestinians. And uh, we saw, by the way, in the last terror attack in Jerusalem, 
that uh, Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates and uh, even Jordan and uh, Egypt came against against this terror attack, which is very important message to the Palestinians. Look, you don't have the Arab world behind you. The Arab world wants something else, and you have to realize that you're not uh, helping yourself by carrying out terror attacks. Try some other measures, like uh, cooperation with Israel. This may be much more uh, helpful to, for you in, in, in having better life. Well, we hear a lot more from the young population in the Palestinian-controlled territories uh, keen on potentially uh, seeing a one-state solution uh, uh, come into fruition. And they say, uh, ultimately, demographically speaking, we will prevail, uh, which, of course, brings about... This is a scarecrow. This, this seems like this a scarecrow. This is a scarecrow against Israel. It's not, and they don't want one state. They want a state without Jews. That's what they want. Right. And the... Uh, and, uh, we know what they wanted. This is the Palestinian narrative. That's uh, it's about Palestine that is going to be free from the river to the sea. That's what they want, Mr. Owen. I'd like very briefly, as we have roughly two minutes left, uh, Palestinian Authority Chairman or President Mahmoud Abbas. Ultimately, he's old. He's fragile. And we've been speaking about this. Nobody knows when uh, uh, his time will come, but. The ground is preparing. Uh, all factions are preparing. The various individuals in the Palestinian-controlled uh, territories are preparing for the day after. Will chaos break loose, and to what degree can Israel mitigate the impact? Well, Israel uh, can do, cannot do a lot. Uh, there was a suggestion, because we mentioned many groups in the Palestinian community, there is an additional one, the prisoners in Israeli jails, thousands of them, among whom are some political leaders or people who could, when released from jail, could become leaders. Should Israel support them or not? Israel should not intervene in this uh, domestic uh, Palestinian uh, game. Uh, Hamas will try to get control of the West Bank. And just to illustrate the enormity of the problem for the Israeli Defense Forces, Shabak, and police, even if one Palestinian out of 10,000 were to become a terrorist, you would have almost 2,000 of them. And in order to find, as uh, General Kupferfels said, the uh, uh, needle in the haystack, it takes a lot of professional intelligence and operational work. We will have to uh, re-engage on this topic, of course, uh, considering the fact that uh, uh, it seems like uh, the, the situation is just at the beginning of something greater uh, or something worse, uh, if I may. Uh, General Kupil Vassil, it's always a pleasure uh, having you on the show. Thank you very much for partaking. I'd like also to thank uh, Mr. Oren for partaking in today's panel and to thank all of you at, uh, at home. And, and until next time, shalom. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.